Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Gay Harrison. We recorded this last week over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Shout out to the show's newest Patreon supporter, Gay Harrison. <laughs> it's already pretty humbling to have people give their time and music and thoughts to Get Up in the Cool. When those people turn around and throw money in, too, I don't know what to do with those people, other than repeatedly thank them. Thank you, Gay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means a lot. To those of you who haven't yet signed up for Get Up In The Cool's Patreon, it's super easy. Just go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool, which is linked in the show notes for this episode, and choose a support level that you can sustain. Thanks again, Gay, and everyone else who keeps the lights on over here at Get Up In The Cool every week. Make sure to stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you how to keep up with Gay Harrison. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Gotcha. Gay Harrison, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Oh, thank you so much, Cameron. It's been a, a delight getting ready for this, just listening to your voice once in a while and seeing how things are going on the West Coast and all of that. Pretty yeah. cool. I met you, I believe, was it, I guess it was two, it was about two years ago now, um, when I came to the Old Town School of Folk Music to interview Genevieve. Right. your daughter yeah. uh for a little live show and i believe that is where i met you i got to hang out with you and your family and then i learned that you played mandolin in the indian creek delta boys and you were a part of the co collection of some of these uh dear old illinois tunes and i was like i have to have you on i've got to hear <laughs> these stories and uh i'm so glad that we were able to make that happen now in the preparation for this you, i think you had a little bit of a difficulty choosing just this amount of tunes and so i want to extend an invitation to you to come back on the show anytime and we can just do the entire Dil dear old illinois book if you would like <laughs> so Love it. from you know, number one on there's only yeah. like 390 fiddle tunes so that could take you know till yeah, Easter. I'm I'm <laughs> always year. looking for uh, for guests on the show, and especially people who um, have something specific to share. So, but for now, we'll do a handful of them. Sounds good. Where did you first hear this tune? And that, what was that tune? That that was called Crooked Road, and it was from Stella Elam, who um, was born in 1902 and died in 1983, and. 
when you and I talked about, you know, any kind of themes or anything, I, I, it's always been funny because I was the only girl in the Indian Creek Delta Boys. And yes. anytime I run across a tune that was collected from a woman, my ears perk up. You know, I say, oh, cool. And I started researching Stella, and she was a little powerhouse. I mean, she liked her brother's violin when she was eight, and she tried to play it, and then they got her her own, and then she ended up playing banjo quite mm. a while, and then... Her husband gave her a Czech fiddle, and she was off and running. And she's very, very popular in the Champaign-Urbana group that um, invited people to play for their, what they call their folk song club. And um, so, and then she uh, befriended a, a man named Lyle. I can't think of his last name. Anyway, I have a little excerpt. Can I read it? Because it's hysterical. Please, yeah. And it's like, I remember when Genevieve was up the night through at Battleground, and she was the last one standing playing fiddle. And I said, that's stamina. I love it. <laughs> and I think if, if, I, if I had known Stella when, you know, when I was living in Champagne, that would, oh man, I would have loved it. So anyway, um, Lyle Mayfield said that he heard Stella Elam fiddle for five hours straight, standing up all the time and never playing the same tune twice for one of those square dances. You know, that was, oh a, you know, a, a whole community event. People would come and they'd stay for 18, 24 hours, you know, just make it a great big, like battleground, you know, kind of. So I thought, wow, what a woman. I just love that. I love that, that yeah. she knew all those tunes. and when, <laughs> uh, Never playing the same tune twice. Does that mean like, like just not repeating? Yeah, the tunes, she or? had, she had different tunes a different tune that she played you know well i imagine some of them were waltzes took a little more time and yeah. you know but they were always ho downs i'm sure or contras for a square dance played them she would just string string them together yeah with probably a little bit of time to get a drink of water yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow i wish wish i wish i could have met her me too i i just like ships in the night because i lived up there until 1977 and uh, so she was still alive then. Could you tell us about the uh, Dear Old Illinois book? And, because maybe some people aren't familiar with it. Sure. Um, well, Gary's father, Cliff Harrison, was a fiddler. And he, he played some tunes for Gary, and Gary got really excited about it. But then his dad took ill, and he wasn't able to play, or Gary wasn't able to learn anymore. But he really got the bug, so he would keep his ears open for any other fiddlers that were was in the area. Was this him as a kid? It's just when he was around 16, 17. Okay, great. And that's actually when he actually picked up the fiddle, too, hmm. which is another story. I, I want to talk about his um, his facility with the fiddle. It was just amazing. But anyway, so it was very organic. He wa He was craving learning more tunes. And the people who held those tunes were older fiddlers. So he would find out and he'd call them and say, can I come and visit you and jam or listen to you? And you, then later on, when he got well acquainted, he said, would you mind if I recorded you? Yeah. So then what happened was Dave Miller was his banjo guy. And he was also a teacher. He taught English at Eastern Illinois University. So College of Fine Arts Dean Von Janicki, um, they wrote a grant for the National Endowment for the Arts and were able to get a NAGRA, Alan Jabor Senate, and, you know, then later came out. And so every time they went, they put their little cassette recorder and then they had this big reel-to-reel -reel NAGRA that they would record. Well, those recordings are in the Library of Congress now. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So that was the essence of what the material is. And then as Gary, um, I guess it was, when did he move to Indiana? He had a chance to start putting it all together, and he mm. finally published it in 2009, I think. And okay. it's a great book. It's a great book. It just it actually he melded um, the David uh, Macintosh collection of ballads and songs, which is another just mine, you know, gold mine of stuff. And that's the first part of the book. And when Genevieve, my our daughter, was just little. Gary said, we're getting in the car, we're going to go get that Macintosh collection. <laughs> but we were we actually talked to Mrs. Macintosh, but she wasn't really ready to, you know, to let go of it or anything. Wasn't sure. You know, so anyway, it did end up all together with Gary's collection, too. And it's just one of the quintessential uh, examples of Illinois, you know, old time music. It's great. 
Yeah, had there been any other ethnomusicology projects to collect traditional Illinois music of any kind before that? Or um, was that uh, just the first one to kind of get out there and get that popular? No, I I think that group I was talking about in Champaign-Urbana that invited Stella Elam to to play, she ended up being, uh, they actually, this club, this folk song club ended up making an LP label. They they recorded a whole album called Greenfields of Illinois. And huh. the Green, Greenfields of Illinois was one of the tunes they collected from Stella. So she was kind of like the, you know, the title thing. But um, so they did some collection and also recording. So and then there have been lots of others, but, it, uh, you know, this one is the one I know about. <laughs> sure. Now, so... I wanted to get that background out there because you were saying that there weren't that many women that were recorded for Dear Old Illinois. Right. I I really looked through the whole directory and and it's you know and you know it's not that there weren't women out there playing because the book has pictures too of all girl orchestras and you know right. you know, you know man, mandolin cor- you know orchestras and things like that. So it's not that women weren't. But it's just in this area, and and what ended up being collected was mostly male. I, I was curious if you had any perspective on like why that was the case. No, I I mean I just think it's it was that way. I mean I you know I just don't think I think well the women were all raising kids and doing things and you know making the pies and stuff for the square dances and then sure they would get to dance. But I don't know that a lot of them had a lot of time. Just like. Stella's husband finally, get, you know, got her a violin after her second child was born, and then she started off, you know, boom, started right. playing. So, but I did find another one. You want to hear about her? Because this is a yeah, pretty pretty cute story. Um, let's see. I think it was Steve Harrison, Gary's older brother, but I'm not positive, had heard about a Pauline McGinnis. And so he called her and went and talked with her and... Um, you know, they had a nice chat, and he said, well, you know, what, what tunes do you know? And and uh, she's, well, you know, I know Arkansas Traveler, and I know Turkey in the Straw, and I know Walk Old Shoe, He'll Come a Dragon, and I know, he says, wait, wait, wait a minute, what, what was that last one? <laughs> you know, Walk Old What? And it, it's really a fun tune. You know, it is. Yeah. <laughs> As if it's I like mean, Ode to Joy. <laughs> yeah, right. No differentiation between something oh that goodness. is really obscure and interesting and something everybody else is playing. Because maybe in yeah. her neck of the woods, everybody else was playing rock walk old shoe he'll come a dragon too but it was a new one <laughs> there's another story about about them getting into this little town they had heard there was a fiddler there so they drive through this little tiny town two guys are sitting in front of a grocery store and they go up and they say well hi fellas how you doing well we're okay say um you know we heard there was a fiddler here in town but nobody could remember his name and we wondered do you know of any fiddlers they look at each other. No, do you know? Remember anybody? No, I, I, I don't. I don't recall. They said, "Well, thanks. We appreciate that so much, and we'll, we'll get on our way." And they go back and start heading back to the car. And one guy says, "Hey, Roscoe, don't you play fiddle?" <laughs> <laughs> Such wonderful senses of humor, and they could see these young people coming, and they were going to play a little joke on him. So yeah, so uh, it's it's. Oh, that's what I love about this. It's so joyful, you know, for me. It's just, it was wonderful. I mean, that's how we would go on a date. Gary would pick me up and we'd go to an old, you know, older couple's home and I'd have coffee with the wife and they'd play. And she said, do you play? I said, yeah, but I'd love to sit and have coffee. Well, no, you go play with them too. And they became friends before they became, you know, people who we collected off of. That was fun. That's, I, I would love to ask some more questions in regards to that, because I know that um, the work of collecting people's music uh, can be fraught business. I mean, it's what I'm doing <laughs> right now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, but like people have feelings about it. Um, and but maybe before we do that, let's play another tune. What you what's next? You want to hear "Walk Old Shoe"? Here'll come a dragon. I was hoping you would say. So. <laughs> yes, I do have that one. Okay. Thank you. 
did you ever hear any context for for the title? No. Any explanation? No, and you know, I wish I had been there. I would have asked, but I, and it's not written up in the notes or anything. But it's just, you know, you've had old shoes like that that the soles coming off or the heels coming off, and it's just a, I don't know where it came from. So when when was all this collecting happening? Um, in the early seventies to the eighties, through the eighties yeah. and into the some into the nineties. Yeah. So it, those were all just all just physical uh, media until two thousand nine. Yeah. Okay. And um, an awful lot of them, of course, they were. Since they were collecting in the seventies and eighties, these some of these people were born, you know, pre nineteen hundreds, like Pappy in the eighteen hundreds. So quite a few and a wonderful half few of them uh, only learned their tunes from each other. It was they weren't listening to them on the radio. They weren't reading the music. It was a real unbroken stream of you know of oral tradition, which I just find so exciting. I think it's so cool. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that's kind of hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So you were you were mentioning that Gary had a well, at least a, at least a pattern of becoming friends with people before he would start extracting tunes from them and, and collecting and things like that. Um, was that something that he had at the top of mind, or was just that just something that came? naturally to him in his priorities well, I, I would i'm not saying that they got thrown together socially because that wasn't that wasn't the case he he went to their homes or their gatherings and actually you know said i'm really interested in the tunes you're playing but he wouldn't just say i'm going to be here at two o'clock and i'm going to record you and then i'm going to leave you know it was so where'd right. you get that and oh yeah i heard that from you know they, it was a conversational thing and they would always welcome him back you know always say oh yeah. let's let's do this again it was not like extracting teeth you know and mm. i've i've just recently come across this term called informant and informant yes uh the group cu had a like a magazine, and they were talking about the skills in collecting. And when you approach your informant, and I thought that's so antiquated and so weird and so I'm not saying yeah. anything bad about that, but you know, it's just back in the day. That was in that was back in 1980, maybe or something like that, or yeah. in the 70s. And then um, getting advice from people when they heard um, what was going on down here that, you know, how to ingratiate yourself to your informant by finding a pe- something that they have in their home and then putting your microphone on that so it feels comfortable. And it's that was never a problem. It was never a problem yeah. to, to play with them because, you know, I, I think you have to also enjoy the music and want And if you're a fiddler, you want to be able to say, I'd love to back you up on guitar on this. And, and you do, you know, the chord changes and you'd make them feel at ease and they felt good. And you were all having a really good time and you felt that this was, you know, just exactly what it's supposed to be. That's lovely. Yeah, I um, I could see it turning into some sort of situation where maybe fe- people people could feel exploited or mm-hmm. feel like they're, you know, but it sounds like, it sounds like they could tell that the interest was, was real and <laughs> holistic. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't yeah. just for the recordings of the tunes. It was for where did this tune come from? How does this in- tune actually interface with your life? And yes. Yeah. 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 There's a whole, there's a whole, culture and life that goes on and that's only part of it you know yeah the music is only part of it where when did you get involved if he was starting to record people uh was he recording people at 16 or just going out to find fiddlers just going out to find fiddlers now i he might have had a little cassette yeah only so that he could remember the tunes you know and then refresh his memory and try to learn them so when I guess when did you when did you enter uh, the picture in in <laughs> Gary's life, and um, what were you up to at that time? Were you already playing traditional music, or 
playing no. instruments or yeah i i played the violin which is a lot different than the fiddle and i've been trying sure. to break the habit forever um but uh, yeah i played violin and viola in orchestras and stuff like that but a friend of mine uh um Martha Murphy said, hey, my friend Frank Blaney is playing tenor banjo, Irish tenor banjo, at a little festival over in Indiana. You want to go? I said, nah. And then I called her up. I said, yeah. And I said, nah. And then I said, yeah. And then I said, <laughs> then I went. And I was just gobsmacked at all these people who were playing without music and, and hearing each other. And, and, you know, that true oral tradition, they were hearing things through a couple times and they were able to pick it up. And then I heard Gary and watched him and I thought... This guy has to be classically trained because his bowing is just oh, so mm. so uh, creative and and right on spot on. Then I asked him that, and he kind of laughed. He said, "No, in fact, I didn't start playing till I was 16, and I just thought, oh, what are you arrogant? You know, <laughs> you're too good." <laughs> in my face. So then I, I I said, "You know, we we actually struck up a friendship, and the whole Delta Boy crew was there, and so we ended up playing music together, and and they would come up to Urbana. They played on my birthday, played a big big old square dance in my backyard, and and uh, mm. so Mar what happened was chirps, Lynn." Smith, Chirp Smith was the mandolin player, and he fell in love with Martha and moved. And then I got snowed in one time when I was staying at Gary's mom's house in 1976. And I, I was working on their album cover, their second album cover, because it's a graphic, graphic designer. So I had the old school where you cut the the um yeah. all the leaves and stuff and so i saw in the paper they wanted needed a graphic designer so i grabbed the album cover went and showed it to him and he hired me on the spot so i went back home you know packed everything up and moved to charleston <laughs> <laughs> so perfect that's how i ended up got snowed in and never left yeah that was in 1976 i think so yeah huh. and then you know gary and i used to laugh about it he thought i was so brilliant that i because i asked him when we were at battleground could you put a few of these things on tape and then i can go home and write them down till i can get you know my ear tuned to being able to play while people are playing and he thought I was brilliant that I could write music, and I thought he was brilliant, just, just brilliant. So we laughed. He said, "What do you do with that?" Said, well, you get married, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the proposal right there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a proposal, but we just laughed about it. We said, "Well, yeah, we both thought each other was pretty cool, so why not?" You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that whole thing, and this brings me to the next tune I'd like to play for you. Yeah, please. Okay. Um, one of the things we did, which was, I think people are just craving it even more now, and they, a lot of people are doing where they have these gatherings, you know, people up in, in Decatur play, people up in, in Michigan, I know Michigan people, they just get together and play. Well, there's a place called Bible Grove, Illinois, and they had a standing uh, Sunday afternoon or Saturday night, I don't remember which, in the old Bible Grove uh, schoolhouse and it was the coolest thing all the musicians and singers would sit in a circle and then all the audience would sit in a concentric circle outside that circle so you could just about see everybody it wasn't like audience performer it was so warm and you know just a really really cool thing hmm. and there were these three brothers because this is the other part of the theme the women the ladies and the gentlemen of dear old illinois there are these three brothers um named Fletcher, Everett, and Charlie, and their last name was Folk. And um, so they each had their own styles, and um, pretty much, though, in any general area, they were all kind of stylistically the same. Lots of the same bowing kinds of techniques, either smooth or real, real choppy. So this one, um, they were they lived in Ingraham, but Sailor Springs was a town close by. And so the name of this tune that I'm going to play is, is called Sailor Springs. And it's a quadrille. So it was done for for counter dances and things like that. How do you spell sailor? It's a S A I L O R. Great. I just wanted to check. Yeah, and I mean, here we're out on the prairie. There's not a sea to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> Sailor Springs. <laughs> Maybe it's wishful thinking. Oh, this is Sailor Springs, and it is in the key of C, which you don't get enough C tunes, I feel, you know? I just yeah. love some of those C tunes. Me too.
Sailor Springs from Charlie Falk. He was born in 1916 and passed away in 1980. Hmm. What a lovely little tune. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I was curious if you could characterize the sound of Illinois fiddling. Is there anything that connects all of the different regions of Illinois and all the different little communities or um, is there, are there any through lines there? Uh, is there an Illinois sound? You know, I, I haven't been a lot away from you know the Midwest. I mean, I've listened to other people and I, I went to, um, I went to Clifftop once celebrated my birthday there. I think it was in hmm. 20, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, and I, I do notice a difference in styling, you know, um, some, some is more lilty, some little syncopated kind of, you know, I think a lot of the square dancing tunes from Illinois are, are very energetic, very noty, very hmm. rhythmic. And, and then, then again, I mean, I know it because I heard Gary play them in that, and sure. he put a lot of, a lot of energy into it and tremendous bowing, you know, styling and stuff. And I, I often thought too, like, you never are sure whether or not your guitar player is going to come, but you still have to carry off a whole square dance, right? So you got to do yeah. a lot of double stops. You got to do a lot of, you know, a lot of that shuffling and still keep a melody going. And so I think it's just like very busy, very busy to, to keep things going. But that's what I think is kind of exciting too. Hmm. Did you, did you witness anyone in Illinois doing a, an entire square dance by themselves as a fiddler? Doing all the music for it? No, but I can't say okay. it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Back in the day, or probably my guess is uh, Stella. She probably ended up being the only one left standing playing. My guess after five hours. Who knows? Mm -hmm. She may have worn out a couple guitar players though. <laughs> so you were saying that um, Gary could hear the tunes um, and and learn tunes by ear. And you were very impressed by that, and that you were able to uh, write things down. And mm -hmm. he was impressed by that. Mm -hmm. Now, um, it's been a while since I looked at a copy of Dear Old Illinois, but I seem to remember it being a book of transcriptions. Yes, yes. So who who did the who wrote those tunes down? Um, I think it was uh, I think it was a program. I'm pretty sure was a program. Oh. Wait, wait. Like do, a musical do, program. Do, you mean like um so, when you uh, yeah. somebody would do it on a keyboard and it would put the notes on, you know? Yeah. You know, so computer. he just he just found someone to to transcribe the recordings for him. Right, right. I don't I don't think he wrote them down in notation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I will have to dig on that and and find out a little more information about that. Um, I, I would be really curious because I spent a while when I was first getting into old time music actually transcribing tunes. Uh -huh. And um you know, you get into all of these little situations where it's like, hmm, this isn't something that can go on a page exactly. You know, like do I interpret this as a rhythmic hiccup or do I interpret it as part of the tune, essentially, you know? Yeah. Um, like is this intentional? Is this a mistake? Um, how do you account for, you know, little microtones of the fiddle or sure. um, the, the p stretching and, and pushing of, of rhythm and, uh, I'd be really curious to hear, uh, I mean, especially if you, if someone's doing a project like that, who's the person who goes and checks and says, yeah, this is what is on the recording. Right, right. And, and I've got this little side, you know, hobby that I'm doing, doing the, the tunes from number one on. I have MP3s and I'm, I'm doing them as written, but I will come across some of these that, uh, this was after the fact that I started learning by ear. Yeah. Are, are not are similar you know it gives you the skeleton of it and then sure. you definitely are, are putting a lot more stylistic stuff into mm. it you know but it, it's I, I think they're pretty good they're pretty impeccable about you know using surely dotted eights and you know a 16th and an eight you know stuff like that they're getting as true to the melodic line as they can. Uh, there is a thing in the acknowledgments about thanking Smith Kester, my son-in-law, who assisted oh, in transcribing some of the songs. But, um, you know, that, that'll be another time. I'll find out how they actually did it. 
this is my book. It's all put together with tape. <laughs> oh, very good. I, I call it my Bible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to have it in a in a binder setup, you know, oh, yeah, for it to yeah. last if you're going to be reading from it. So. Oh, sure, sure. So, yeah. you know, we're talking about um, can you tell styles? There's another uh, another really interesting um, migration that happened, and it happened from south to north as opposed to from east to west and a lot of the Irish tunes a lot of the old time tunes you can follow them back all the way to Irish and I play with I play Irish music too with I started a Irish music group back in 2006 but but you can see that and and then I got blown away when when I um heard um Gary and and some of the guys playing something that sounded very French and it's called Prairie de Rocher Motion and it was collected down along the Mississippi River, across the river from St. Genevieve in Missouri. And it was uh, collected from Charlie Bice. And he was, a, he, his, he was a son of French immigrants. And he was born in 1863 and passed away in 1956. So it's pretty old. It's the old settlements. You know, all of the, the boats that came up the river supply mm. and all of that. So the French thing is really cool. And um, so I, Did this you say... One, Prairie de Roche emotion? No, Prairie. Okay, it's Prairie de Roche, but the vernacular. It's just like you know, C A I R O is not Cairo in Illinois. It's Cairo. Right. Yeah, and Little Egypt, and you know right, where. Right, right, right. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of the gangsters were down in Little Egypt. Anyway, Prairie de Roche. Yeah. But in the vernacular, Prairie de Roche motion. I think they like the alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay, so do you want to hear That's that one? That's great. Yeah, please. Okay. was Prairie de Rocher motion and there was a notation I I just it it makes me giggle Gary says drone liberally meaning Mm. drone you just keep the the bow going you know it's it's kind of a smooth and I'm sure that was related to some kind of dance that they did too so isn't that a cool tune it's really lovely I love that um there's this there's this like moment one of the times through I'm uh it's sometimes hard to hear you know hard to tell when I'm listening over Skype but it sounded like you double stopped on the A on the E string in, during the B part and like caught a high harmony. Mm-hmm. That was really lovely. Well, thank you. I, and I played one of the parts where da 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 da, and then the alto part would da 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 da. da. Oh. So, so yeah, yeah. And I always like to do that on my mandolin when I was accompanying a fiddle. So I like to move, I like to mess around, <laughs> you know, doing different things, especially if you're yeah, playing for long you, periods of time. When did you start playing mandolin? Uh, when Chirps got married and and moved to 
we went to a little a little store here in Charleston called Tinkley Bell Music Store. They had Good a mandolin. Name. I had a man. They had a mandolin. I bought it, and I learned it. You learned all the tunes. You know, I actually can can um, recommend learning the tunes on mandolin. You're learning the pure tune. You don't have to worry about the bowing. And sure. I played those tunes note for note with Gary, but on the mandolin. So when I, you know, when I started playing him on fiddle, it just felt very natural. It just felt like, oh, this isn't hard to learn because I already knew the notes. Now sure. I just have to put in the bowing. Yeah. So learning one thing at a time. Yeah, there's so much to do on the fiddle. Um, <laughs> so much is asked of you. Yes. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Although for I sure. will say, flat picks are hard. Yeah, I think I think they're really hard to to do. Like I, I every once in a while I'll pick up someone's mandolin at an old time jam, and I'll try. And it's like I know where all the notes are, mm-hmm. um, and I know how to play along. But I'll try to play the tune, and like I, I get halfway through the tune, I'm like, oh, I'm so tense. <laughs> my yeah, picking and arm. Yeah. you have to differentiate those muscles because you're you're holding the little. I use a little tiny pick too on the mandolin. Mm. So you're holding a little tiny pick. This is stressful right here with your three fing- your thumb and two fingers. Yeah. And the rest of it, you've got to be nice and loose, you know? And, uh, but, it, but I, I just love both of them. I think I like the fiddle better, though. So there's a joke. I don't think it's too un- un- PC, but it was when we got married, John Bishop, the guitar player, said, did you hear two of the Indian Creek Delta boys got married? <laughs> and one of them it. was gay. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> uh, no, I I love that joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that one gets through the get up in the cool sensors. <laughs> oh, good! I'm so glad yeah. I was worried about it. I know I can just so. I can just see some of my family rolling their eyes right now, but I don't care. I'm 72 <laughs> and I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Good. Encourage me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will enable you anytime. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's do one more tune and then talk about where people go to keep up to date with the things that you're doing, whether that's teaching or performing. Do you still perform with that Irish group? Uh, I have my own band. It's called Motherload, and we play Wonderful. quite a bit. Yeah, a trio. We've been together for cool. almost thirty years. Cool. Well, um, we'll cover that. But let's do what, what tune's next? Uh, this is another pretty little tune. It's called Molly Kiss Your Darling. Uh, I think you've played this before. But yeah, I, this was this is probably my favorite that I've heard oh. so far. I haven't listened to every Dear Old Illinois tune yet or um, or Indian Creek Delta Boy tune yet, but this is my favorite one that I've heard so far. I oh, think good. It's, I've never heard anything like it. Yeah, that I know. That B part is incredible. I know, and, and it's three parts, too, and that's unusual. Yeah. And um, so it's from Cliff Pulliam, and I it, it's so vague, I mean, because it's been, what, 70, 80, 90, 40 years ago. I think I was, you know, on this um, collecting, but there were times that were, were really fun, too. Once you get the recording, you take it back, and then you try to figure out what, what exactly are these notes that are being played. Yeah. And depending on, you know, how... how how elderly i mean some of the some of them you know you could make out a tune and that's not to say anything for their quality i mean when you get older i even know my fingers aren't moving like they used to but but then you would sit down and really kind of dissect and say what are they what are they playing right now and i remember working on this one with gary and i always laugh because he it goes up to a third position which on a violin on the e string you put your first finger where your third finger would be and then that's third position so it goes up to that c is a c sharp and he didn't even have to do it. I said, well, that's because your fingers are so big, they take up a whole step anyway, <laughs> you know? He just uses, like, pinky or something yeah, to get I think that he high just, note? Yeah, he reached up. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> but he had huge hands, but they were, I mean, so precise. I mean, his intonation was great, you know? So, but anyway, I, I will try not to embarrass myself on this one. Molly Kissed Your Darling from Cliff Pulliam. Can't wait. The key of A. <laughs> Thank you. 
What a cool tune. It is. I just love that one. Yeah, that C part, I it has such an interesting form. It all of a sudden becomes not formulaic. Like yeah. it's like it's sort of it all of a sudden it's like, oh, and one more thing, and also this. Mm-hmm. And then uh I didn't mention this. And by right. the way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's so cool. <laughs> there are several tunes that are like that. There's one called Boatman that I just love and it's not in the book. Gary taught it to me. Hmm. And I've only heard the two parts. There's a third part to that one. Mm. And it's, it's, I mean, I notice when I'm playing it, when we're playing a concert with Motherload, people kind of sit up and listen to that third part. So yeah. there's some kind of inspiration about adding a third part. It was just whoever decided to do that, you know, just wasn't through. They needed one more thing to say, like you said. Yeah. So Motherload, mm-hmm. where, where do people go to... Uh, do, you, do you have uh, albums with Motherload that people can download or or purchase or order? They can purchase. We we haven't gotten into that 20th century. <laughs> we haven't. Uh, we don't have anything online. I mean, you could probably Google something, but um, we do have CDs available Great. That, that we send out. So okay, can just um, contact me. Contact you and yeah. if you if they want to buy a CD. See, yeah. th- this is getting it, like more and more valuable. It's like, oh yeah, I have to actually buy a, like buy the physical medium if I want to be able to hear it. You know, that, that's yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have I have a whole bunch of CDs, and I just bought a car that has no CD player. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great deal, so you know. Okay, so Motherload and. Motherload. Where, what else are you up to that you want people to know about? Well, I, I really do, you know, these tunes are all from dear old Illinois, so I really do want to make sure that people know that yeah. it's um, available. And and now um, Genevieve has uh, is working through the Old Town School of Folk Music to sell. So it's great. And, you know, it can be um, at musicstore.oldtownschool.org. Great. And that's that's the that's how to get it. And um that's just a gold mine of music. Mm. Um that's the book and then three CDs that have all the field recordings. Perfect. So, and of course you can always look up Gary Harrison and his all of his stuff and the Indy Creek Delta Boys. I don't I don't I think all of that is online. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well I'll uh, I'll link that in the show notes. Okay. Thank you so much, Gay. And seriously, I would like to have you back on to talk more Illinois tunes uh, whenever you want, uh, preferably in person, which maybe we can do sometime soon. I have my first shot planned. So good for you. Get oh, out Genevieve, of this state. Yeah. Genevieve and <laughs> Smith just me. got theirs, and you know they, they got Moderna too. So I call. I told them we're on a Moderna family. <laughs> Oh, very <laughs> good. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's such a relief. I didn't have any other, I didn't really have any reaction except I was so relieved that I f- took a three-hour nap. Just the stress, you know? I just <laughs> fell on the couch and slept for three hours. Hey, Otherwise, I mean, if I, if I could have a three-hour nap as a reaction to, <laughs> <laughs> to a life-saving drug... Yeah, you that, as a, a, that's a good as a, side you, effect. I would love any excuse to have a three-hour nap. And as a young father, you probably need it more than anybody. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> uh, what do you want to do for our last tune of the episode proper? Well, I have a tune called "Jump in the Well, Pretty Little Miss" from. Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, what am I going to do? Do you want to do that four and twenty blackbirds? Yes. You put that yes, in the I email. Do. We could do that. Yeah, one. I do. I do want to do four and twenty blackbirds. What did I do with it? What's the What's the full name of this one? It's four and twenty blackbirds dancing on a fawn skin. Okay. And this one is from Pappy Taylor, and um, the the story goes that it is based on a Scottish or Irish dancing contest that they put a white handkerchief on the floor, a fairly large white handkerchief, and you dance your dance your positions and all you know Hmm. and whoever messes up the hang handkerchief least wins like (laughs) wow (laughs) me it would look like i was trying to fold a fitted sheet i'm sure oh my goodness what what a way to measure um how good someone is at dancing i guess yeah yeah (laughs) 
Well, all right. Four Seems and twenty cool. blackbirds on dancing, dancing on, on a, a fawn skin. skin. It does seem like it takes the joy out of dancing, though. Right. <laughs> Talking about nervous. It's very measured. <laughs> all right, here goes. If you want a CD from Gay's band Motherload, you can email me through the Get Up in the Cool contact form at getupinthecool.com slash contact, and I'll forward that to her. Get the Dear Old Illinois book and CDs from the Old Town School of Folk Music store, and buy and stream yourself some Indian Creek Delta Boys wherever you get your music. Check the show notes for links. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional claw hammer banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.